Welcome to This Life, the Chronicles of Autism Mums, hosted by me, Alison Sarah. Each week, I'm joined by amazing women who happen to have autistic kids. Hasna, Moira, Susanna, Reen, Maha, Karina, Huma and Rana, Alteki. Each week, we talk about navigating the ups and downs of parenting kids with autism and how that affected us and our lives as women, mothers and professionals. Strap in, grab some tissues, sometimes you'll cry from empathy and other times from laughter. Join us on our journey of this life. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of This Life, the Chronicles of Autism Mums. And I'm joined by a lovely group of ladies again this morning. Good morning. And uh, today we are going to be talking about the um, dilemma of disclosure. So the disclosure dilemma. So when we talk about the disclosure dilemma, just for our audience um, out there and our listeners, um, I'd just like to ask um, one of you lovely ladies, when we talk about disclosure, what, what do we mean? And in, you know, what different instances would it come up when we talk about our child's autism diagnosis? I mean, um, I think there's a lot of types of disclosure going from uh, disclosing to the family, disclosing to your friends, disclosing to the school is a big one, uh, disclosing to to the world pretty much. But I think uh, there's different types of disclosure we we face when uh, when after receiving diagnosis or even just you know noticing and um, I think all of them are hard uh, some are empowering eventually all of them are eventually empowering but I think they're hard because you're just um, you're almost you're almost validating the diagnosis you're almost you know like just making peace with it and making peace with it is the hardest part when you when you go through that process so this closing, you feel like you're stigmatizing your child. You feel like there's a certain type of guilt, but at the same time, you're like, how long can I, how long can I go on without? So I don't know about uh, your other experiences. I would love to hear from you ladies. Maha, have you had any experience with disclosure? Yeah, I um, yeah, definitely agree with Hasna when she said, you know, the fact that you start saying it out loud means that you have to accept it. And, and, and when you're going through the process yourself of trying to understand what's going on and the whole grieving process of what does that mean? What am I not going to have with my child? And, and so when you're suddenly faced with having to tell people about it, it you're, you're just not ready yet. But like Hasna said, you know, sometimes you just, you sort of can't hide it because there are certain behaviours being displayed with your child. And if people are asking about it, you sort of are forced to, to start explaining it. And I think in the beginning when you yourself are still trying to get your head around what exactly this diagnosis means, and then people ask you, okay, so, you know, your, your child has autism, what does that mean? And you're just looking going, I actually don't know. You know, will your child be able to do this? I don't know. Like, and so you look like this parent that has absolutely no control over what's happening to their child and it makes you feel even less of a of a mum, like I'm supposed to look after this child, I'm supposed to know exactly what's going to happen. And no specialist out there is going to tell you, you know, this is what you should expect looking forward. So um, so I think that that's probably our first hurdle with this, with disclosure is just telling the, that close-knit community, people around you, your friends. Um, and then obviously, yeah, next level is school. Like that's that's a whole other, whole other world. 
Um, but yeah, definitely if we just, yeah, it, I think the first step is, yeah, just starting to explain it to your family. And, and then the next thing is the, the cultural aspect of explaining it to your family. So depending on the culture you come from, you know, I've met people from different cultures and it's interesting how, you know, you've got certain cultures that are, are you know, can embrace this much more uh, faster. Like if things happen, that part of it doesn't become as challenging. Um, you know, I had one lady that I met um, who, whose daughter had autism and, and she was like online and, and telling everyone about every tiny milestone and just embracing every step. And I was like, oh my God, she's like, this is going so fast. Like she's, she's just like telling everyone about this. And, and then I came from a background where, you know, if your child displayed a behavioral issue, it was like, you know, you're, you haven't raised your child, you know, he needs his father to, to set his boundaries. And, and I was thinking, how, how do I explain that to my family? Like they, they couldn't understand what this diagnosis was. So um, yeah, I think it's just such a huge area to, to, to explore from friends. Yeah. And um, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. It's interesting, actually, and you've both made really interesting points and you've also touched on the fact that it's very empowering to, um, to talk about it. So the disclosure, you know, to finally be in a position whereby you can start talking about it. And I think it's probably part of a healing process for us, because once we get to that point, then we can kind of move forward because we're being honest and we're, we're living, um, we're living in the, that kind of moment. And, you know, we're obviously trying to actively inform the people around us. Um, but also with that positivity and that empowering time there also is a negative side to that as well so you know Karina have you had in any kind of disclosure situation you know have you been in a dilemma with disclosures at any point you know with family or with um, insurance or with um, school education or or any situation that you've been in where you've really had a dilemma do I disclose and what are the reasons you know why I should versus why I shouldn't, because it is, a, I think it's a, a very, you know, it's a very common theme through uh, in lots of different kind of channels, really. Yeah, many times this dilemma is still 11 years later, we're still facing this dilemma. Uh, I remember when we received the diagnosis, I just went to call my family and tell them, you know, this is now we know why he's behaving that way. It's autism. And for my brother and sister, it was easier to explain. But for my parents, it was like, what, what is autism? You know, like, what is this? Uh, how, how, how can you cure this boy? How many therapies will he need to overcome this? You know, so I just felt that sense of relief. I told my family, now I have to deal with the situation because yes. they were far. They were not here in Qatar. But for my friends, it took me a while because I, I felt like I didn't have the answers to their questions. I was not ready myself. Um, so how can I tell? Because I knew they were coming. They were going to come back with lots of questions and I didn't have the answers. And still, for some people, I don't have the answers. And today, my son knows that he has autism. And then when a situation is out of control, he looks like, hold on a second, I'm behaving like this because I have autism. 
So he's now, you know, like he's helping me to deal with this situation. It's amazing. So, which is in, in a way it's, it's, it's good, but uh, he just has everyone that he has autism. <laughs> he's self-advocating which is great oh, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah. 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 yeah 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 we're but at that we age actually it's great it's great to see them you know I'll come you know just, yeah, just yeah. self-advocating exactly and I, I think that that is a sign of the times really as well and as testament to to you as mums that you're very open with them about their um <clears throat> their diagnosis so that they can you know, be honest and tell people without having, you know, any sort of stigma attached to it. If they don't care, then why should other people care? Um, so Moira, wh- what about your experience of um, disclosures? Um, I think I can probably think of a few that we've actually been in together. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a gradual thing. I don't think it was a, a big deal because you go so through so much time talking to friends and family about things you're concerned about before you even get to the diagnosis. So you've probably mentioned the word autism. So when it actually comes, it's not a big surprise. Um, So I didn't have any issues with that side of things. People are understanding. People had questions that we didn't know answers to, of course. Um, But then, yeah, obviously, there are certain situations where you don't disclose yeah. insurance. Do want, yeah, I was going to say that that one, that's a, that's an that was just about to point that out. And and I think for anyone who's listening, it just depends on um, what your situation okay, is with your healthcare. Yeah, yeah because um, insurance, I think, unless you're inside of the United States, they're not obliged for um, healthcare insurance to provide any sort of cover for any therapy for autism spectrum disorder or any related. Um, diagnosis um, and obviously there are a lot of healthcare um, national um, sorry uh, government healthcare systems which provide a level of um, healthcare for um, therapy for um, people on the autism spectrum however Moira there's been a certain instance with you hasn't there with your insurance and I think that there you know there are ways and means of kind of getting around this sometimes obviously we don't want to go into too much detail but do you want to share a little bit about that (laughs) it's okay we we can skirt around it a little bit but I think it's interesting we can um be provided for for therapies without specifying the underlying issues in too much detail I think and and I think from a healthcare perspective um when you are uh, approaching the insurance companies for alternative therapies um, certainly in our um, situation and if we'd have known what we do now um, then um, you know for certain therapies that you can have you don't necessarily need as Moira said to uh, you know um, talk about the underlying condition because there are a lot of comorbidities so um, yeah. different um diagnosis that can kind of come with that so you can need kind of speech therapy or occupational therapy but we can kind of get that in other ways with you know getting separate referrals rather than just going well my child's got autism and I need this 360 approach so any listeners out there who are thinking of like the insurance um from the insurance perspective do your research before you you um 
you know, you disclose your, uh, that's my advice anyway. And I think disclosure is generally the best policy, absolutely 100%. And we want to do that to advocate for our children. But in some cases, it's really worth that kind of consideration before you kind of go down that route. Um, in terms of um, schooling, and it's certainly an issue um, here where we live, what what are your feelings on, um, you know, and obviously for some parents, it's very, very clear that um, the child has autism uh, or a related um, condition. Um, but for some, it's not so apparent that the child has um, autism or may need extra and additional support in the school system. So in that instance, when you are in a, um, you know, in, your, in a public school or a government school, what are your feelings and what what would you, what, you know what have your experiences been of disclosing your child's condition did you feel that that was helpful or did you feel that you know that was something that you would have preferred not to in hindsight you would have preferred not to mention i think the school dilemma um is one of the hardest most painful um processes just because you are still at that point, dealing with what's happening, trying to understand how he functions. And then you feel like suddenly uh, he's being judged on every side. And you feel like as long as they look at him with certain eyes, it's okay. But once once you tell them, be like, he'll be the kid that, oh, he doesn't get it. Oh, he, they don't even try. And I think that was my experience from preschool up until now. It's like his diagnosis gets in the way of, teacher is trying and that was a very annoying thing another huge dilemma is disclosing to the school because there's not there's no schools to take our kids and we need to get him into a school so we feel like if we don't disclose once it's, once he's in at least he's in he's getting some sort of education uh versus um uh, versus not not uh, versus disclosing and then them not accepting the child, which I feel like we've all switched. I mean, at least I, I've switched several schools and, and until this day, I don't have the perfect setup, but mm -hmm. we try to get to our kids whatever we can and, and whatever we can, literally, mm -hmm. whatever mm -hmm. our circumstances allowed. And right. I think that's, that's a huge one with disclosure. I do feel that in a perfect world, disclosure should be, you know, it should, especially when you have laws behind you, policies, disclosure is the best way to support your child. He begins to advocate he or she for herself over time, which I'm seeing with my son, which is amazing. Uh, I mean, he, he actually asked, he just got in a crazy situation where, you know, he couldn't regulate emotionally and ended up saying things that he wouldn't say like ideally uh, to somebody and, uh, and he has a bit of stalking tendencies, but this is all because really no one has taught him. So the interesting part was that he came, when he realized what a mess he had made, he came and he said, I want to consult with this other person because they have autism so they can tell me what to do in this situation. So that's how deep their level of awareness can get of their condition. So I think disclosing, disclosing to the child, uh, making sure that the child understands because you don't want him wondering his whole life, what's wrong with me? Why am I different? You know, mm -hmm. you just, over time, he will understand why he's different, how he's different. And that will be empowering for him rather than, uh, rather than uh, a setback because mm -hmm. he understands he's made a mess and who can help him. 
another person with autism, which I found to be brilliant. That was a big moment for me where it was like, okay, hey, my, my son's level of this. So yeah, disclosure, sorry, going back to disclosure. Um, disclosure ideally should, should be the way forward. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, for sure, because it should, in, in theory, and as you say, in an ideal world, it should be if you disclose, then you should get more. You should get more help, more support, more understanding, more empathy, all of those things. And um, I think in some cases it happens, but I think we all know that, you know, we can see um, we want more support, empathy, and all of those things when we disclose for our children. And, and we, unfortunately, we don't live in a, in a perfect world for them. Um, so in terms of the negative side of disclosure, um, have you uh, all had any negative experiences of disclosure? For example, um, a friend of mine, she, um, I think was, um, and I think there's a naivety with this, you know, especially when you first get your child's diagnosis, that you kind of think that everyone's on the same page as you in terms of how they should be approaching your child's therapy and their education. And you feel that all educators, all therapists, and anybody who is in uh, healthcare supporting um, these children through this should be on the same page of you and should want the same things. But, you know, there was an instance that I, I, she was telling me about that she did a full disclosure before he got into a school. And ironically, what happened was that there were a lot of other children that weren't able to sit on the rug for circle time or not able to, you know, sit for a whole class without having to get up and move around and was sometimes awkward in social situations. But there were a lot of children that were doing and, and having those kind of interactions and experiencing the same as him in the classroom. However, he was the only one that was pulled out and, um, you know, and, and the, the school were t calling her all the time and saying, he's doing this, he's not sitting on the dad. You know, realistically, when you're talking about a three, four, five-year-old child, especially, you know, some of the boys more so than the girls, which we know, um, they, they do have regulation issues. And, you know, they're kids ultimately at the end of the day. And, you know, in a classroom situation, they are expected to sit for long periods of time without movement breaks and all of that, you know, that kind of support. So, but the expectation is there for them to do that, which is another thing. But because she had disclosed and been honest, he was always the one that was, you know, oh, well, it's because of his autism. He's doing this and we can't handle him because of his autism. Whereas actually, realistically, there are a lot of other kids in that classroom having exactly the same behaviors, if not more disruptive but they weren't being kind of chastised in the same way. So what's, what are your feelings on that? You know, what, how, can we, how can we make those choices? How can we kind of empower our kids by sharing information because we think it's going to help, but then it backfires? I think when, when my son went through a mainstream nursery and, and whatnot and issues were raised, and then he went into a special programme. The aim was to get him back into mainstream as soon as possible. And, and to do that, well, we, we went through every school, didn't I mean, you and I, Alison, we went around literally every school. 
And we didn't have any options, many options. And in the end, there was only one, basically. And um, so from that point of view, it wasn't, it wasn't difficult to choose where he had to go because there was only one option that would be suitable. And, um, and I'd, looking back now, the, the aim to get him into mainstream probably shouldn't have been the aim. The aim should have been to get him where he needed to be. So not quite sure where I'm going with this, but <laughs> um, I think disclosure obviously is the best thing. Um, but the schools are not equipped to deal with the disclosure. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always lead you exactly. I mean, and I think this is the, the point that you're trying to make is the fact that when you are disclosing, it doesn't always lead you to the promised land. It doesn't always lead you where you feel that you should be, you know, and you're, you're, a lot it's of, a big a lot bit. Of want to be seen to be accepting and inclusive. Um, but then they, they get them in the door and, and they don't provide the support that they said they would basically yeah. and then it becomes your problem again exactly yeah Hummer what's good morning Hummer good morning how are you I'm very well thank you yeah good, good so um Hummer we're just talking about disclosure um obviously you know um the schooling and um diagnosis what's your experience of um disclosing your son's diagnosis you know do you feel that it's something that you do proactively um now or is it you know does it depend on who you um you know just different situations um well when it was the case of um schooling we've been pretty open and honest about it um, since we, you know, we, we tried to go by the book. Um, so when he started school, that he was diagnosed before he started school. So uh, we started with, um, with a very well-qualified shadow teacher. Um, the lady basically who treated all our kids, she was my shadow for a, for a whole year. So I had an ABA qualified shadow teacher for a whole year with me. And that was uh, fantastic, and it was a um, um, huge hit on our pocket at that time. But you know, we we didn't care. Uh, uh, and she was amazing. Um, uh, at that time, I remember when I went to the uh, the, the principal of the, that kindergarten, and I said, "Listen, um, um, my son is on the spectrum. He's he's autistic." She's like, "What is autism?" I, and then she was like, um, and I said, listen, there, there will be a lady, she'll come and um, she'll be his teacher. And she said, oh, I, I don't know. Th- that was too much for her. That was like, like putting burden on the school. I said, it'll actually be helpful for you, a teacher, especially for my son. I'm paying you school fees. Plus I'm providing a teacher. You know, it was an alien concept for her. And I remember after a few years, I went back to the school and she said, oh, yes, we have so many students like that now. So at that time, it was like a rarity. I was explaining what is autism and what is a shadow teacher. And and please just just give me a space in, in the school. That's all I'm asking. I'm not asking for anything else. I was, you know, we were desperate even even when he grew up and he went to a, like a, a bigger school. Um I, I felt at that time they would take us in because they would either a just be starting 
or B, they would either have such a short number, like a less number of students that they desperately needed students. So we, we sort of got our foot in the, in the door and you know, that's, that's how we would get in. And then once we get in, then it's like sort of hard for them to kick us out. So, you know, so that's why uh, it's, um, we like 30, 40 schools rejected us. We, they, they didn't, wouldn't even see our application. Uh, that oh no no we we don't have the services they would because everyone here has the option to say no they have a lot of um, neurotypical students in the waiting list so they don't need another additional burden of uh, a child that requires extra services um, in terms of uh, disclosure uh, what what helps for me is I I tend to if I get into a school I tend to stay there if it's going well because then I. I um, I appeal at the mercy of the people who have become familiar with my situation, like the teachers or the upper school, the leadership team. So they they kind of know. Okay, this is a child. We know what's the situation, how he acts. Sometimes even if he snaps, they're like, okay, we know him. So I, that kind of works in my favor. <laughs> so I honestly. Um, the best years that I've had is when some of the um, um, education, the, the teachers, they've like been where they've gone beyond their roles of like, actually they've shown humanity and that's like, that's what has kept me going that, okay, thank you. Thank you for, you know, protecting my, my child when all the rules said that, oh, he has to be disciplined or he has to be. Um, so, so yeah, the thing is that the label always goes against it, not always, but they're in certain situations. It, um, once he's been labeled, there's always that element of unpredictability that, oh, we don't know what he will do. We can't take him to this camping trip because we don't know what he will do. I, you know, I, I said, we won't do anything. He'll go on the camping trip. No, but we don't know, we can't handle him, we don't know what he will do. So that that element of unpredictability that we don't know what to do with him affects friendships, affects um, relationships in the school, outside the school, with the friends, friends who are not aware of how this works, they also, so so that's the, the element of that, oh, and the unpredictable element. Yeah. Uh, that goes against us. And as you say, I think that's really interesting because it you you have so many closed doors before you've even introduced him, you know. Um, so it, he is literally an autism diagnosis on an application and nobody even says, well, let's meet him and let's talk to him and let's find out whether or not we can have a fit. It's just uh, acceptable to have a blanket no. So you have those doors closed and I think what you've made is a really interesting point because, you know, you're saying it's affecting friendships and his relationships. And that's such a, an important age in his life, you know, his formative years, whereas, you know, maybe some of the behaviors that he displays when he might be on that camping trip, nobody would even look at his, his peers would not even look at that as they would just see that it's part of him. Oh, that's Haida, you know. But because there is an adult who is singling him out and focusing on 
that particular behavior. And I'm, I'm not saying that's a negative behavior. It's just something that he might do that's different to his peers, that all of a sudden everybody focuses in on that. And then that's where the stigma starts because then everybody's looking at that because there is an adult educator there who is saying that is not what is you know, we need to keep the status quo. And there's such an element you know, of shame too. It, it, you know, there's exactly. an element of shame for the child. It's mm-hmm. not fair. It's just it's, it's just heartbreaking actually when you hear that. And and this is all coming, um, the majority of this from professionals who are supposed to be helping our children. But what they're not doing is they're not having an open mind. And when they're also um, you know, just not not supporting the child but also all of these children around them who should have very open minds but they're being taught by you know educationals uh, educational um professionals to stigmatize these children that's that's it so it's it's um it's a very unfortunate situation and i think we could talk about this for a very very long time because i think that we've all been in these situations and it should never be a dilemma it should always be well let's talk about it because you know ultimately we should get more support but unfortunately in these cases it's not not always um it's very often not not what we what we get is not what we anticipate not we what we would hope for um, so just to round off this um, chat this morning, ladies, um, I just wanted to go around the group and just um, ask for your kind of advice and top tip for each of you for um, disclosure. You know, I think that this is quite an emotive topic, but also, as I say, there's a lot more that we can discuss and we can go and delve into. And I think there's a lot of people that will be listening to this that wouldn't even realize that this is an issue, you know, especially at the start of your journey. Um, so if I can kind of go around and just ask everybody what their kind of top tip would be, or, you know, a piece of advice that you would give a newly diagnosed parent or somebody who's on this journey who is, you know, trying to access services, um, you know, would it be proceed with caution, tread carefully, go full throttle with the autism diagnosis? What What would you recommend? So, Hasna, we'll start. Can we start with you? Yeah, I think I think uh, shape shift, as in, you know, according to the situation, uh, act accordingly. Uh, if you're not ready to disclose because you're not ready, there shouldn't be any pressure, especially when it doesn't affect the child and the services he's getting. Obviously. You will need to, uh, in order for that, when you're helping the child, if that's what the child needs, absolutely disclose. But I say, ideally, yes, full disclosure. And we're finally at this pace because over time, you won't even be able to hide it in a lot of cases. And if you're hiding it, it's actually, it holds a child back. It holds a person back because he's dealing with something others can't see. And imagine the inner turmoil for, for that for that person. So ideally, we want to empower him. However, go with your own pace, at your own time, with what you feel. And there's nothing like the intuition of a mother. I can say this. So whenever the situation helps, disclose. When not, take your time. That's my advice. Thank you. Maha, what's your have any top tips of wisdom? I think Hasna actually summed up exactly what I was going to say, which is, yeah, your intuition is so important and, and, and just going with your gut feeling. And no one knows your child as much as you do. No one knows what they're capable of. Um, no one can put those boundaries. Uh, I've had situations where, you know, people have told me your son will never be able to do this and he's absolutely smashed what 
they said he couldn't do. And because I believed in him, I think if I uh, agreed with or, you know, believed what they said, yeah, of course, you know, I can place those beliefs in his brain too and he won't do it either. So I think always pushing that, you know, pushing yourself that little bit more. And um, I, I think in terms of schooling, you know, I've learned over the years, you know, at the start it was all about, you know, trying to get him in, trying to get him in. And I realised that that isn't, you know, that can, like Hasna said, cause more more problems because then suddenly your child is put in a situation where they're trying to, you know, swim in this ocean and they can't swim. And you're like, well, my son's got a spot. That's not enough. Like the the, the mental anguish and damage you may be causing your child in the, in the process is not worth it. So um, I was very blessed that I was able to find a, a school with a culture that, um, you know, was so hands-on and so empowering and loved these kids um, in a mainstream environment. So I was quite lucky that I was able to find that for my child. Um, but then I, you know, experienced other schools where they just kept putting boundary after boundary and I just thought, no, 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 this is not the environment I want my son to be in for most of his day. Like, you know, they're at school six to seven hours a day and I'm thinking, what a horrible place to be in. Like, this is not how I want my child to um because then they you know they develop all these anxieties and then you're oh my son's got anxiety well if you were in that situation anyone could develop that you know it makes it so much worse for them so yeah definitely stick to your gut do your research you know go for it what can you do yeah thanks Maha Karina any pearls of wisdom for us (laughs) same ladies said it all it's um we'll feel when you're ready Mm-hmm. To tell, mm-hmm. we feel we know the, the, the to who, mm-hmm. when to tell, and to, to to the what person, right? It's uh, it's this inner feeling. It's uh, the time will come, and uh, what else can I say? Uh, school is school. We cannot hide. Sooner or later, they will know. They'll find out. They'll come up with questions, and then you know that's something we cannot not disclose. Um, but that's it. Thanks, Karina. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Moira? Yeah, I think always to disclose. I think if a school especially can't handle the diagnosis, it's, you don't want them looking after your child anyway. And more to the point, don't really want them looking after my neurotypical child either if they can't um, have the environment where acceptance and inclusion are are there so obviously you have to take each situation as it comes but start off with wanting to disclose and be upfront. Oh, good advice. The best yeah Hama? Um, yes of course I, I agree with the with everyone that um, uh, disclose the diagnosis and uh, um, and just we have to make the uh, the schools and the educators understand that this this is how it's going to be. This is the future. This, this is not something. Um, this is this is not a burden uh, on their educational establishment. It's um, it's it's something that's not going to change. That's now we have they have to make space for our kids. They, everyone has to make space for our kids and the society has to make space for our kids and they have to understand that this is how it's going to be the, that they they belong here as much as the neurotypical kids 
So, um, so they they have to. So we should also whatever whatever fears that they have that oh, the unpredictability element. Okay, just just explain the the major one or three issues that okay you know he's doing this because of this he's doing just it's it's okay there's nothing to be scared about and then just just be their voice be their voice and um and we have to get them accepted and yeah that's that's all i can say yeah absolutely alison i i feel like we didn't hear from you oh um well i, I think i concur and all of your um all of your comments are, um, you know, they, they, they ring very true with me. And I think that we've always been um, parents that have gone down the honesty route because I have known people that have not gone down the honesty route and it does come back to bite you, I think. And um, the one thing that I would say is, from my perspective, I've, I've known parents that have tried to buck a system and the system is not right. So the system, first of all, is, um, is incorrect because we should have um, full inclusivity. We know that. And we know as parents that that is the right, that's right for everybody, not just for our children. It's right for uh, the other children as well, the neurotypical children, because they have to see, they have to live it. They have to be with these kids. They all need to be together. And that is how you will gain a generational shift to acceptance and we know that and that's not happening and um, I think the whole world is failing on that it's an epic fail and until somebody establishes some new rules then this is what is going to continue to happen and I'm not trying to be unrealistic you know there and 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 the there are children that need um a different type of education not everybody fits into the educational system as it is right now my son doesn't at the moment and he did when he was younger but as he's getting older the gap is becoming bigger the demands on him in terms of his education in a mainstream school are very different to how they were probably five years ago when he was five you know the expectations are different and he's not moving as fast as the other children and I'm fine with that now Probably when he was five, I wasn't. But now I'm, I'm like, do you know what? Go to school, learn, learn what, um, learn at your pace, be happy, enjoy it, and be in a supportive environment. I, um, I know that there are some parents, um, and their experience of it is that they have gone kind of the, the undisclosed route, not mention that diagnosis, and it really has become an issue for them because when that disclosure doesn't happen um, and things move on, you know, the years go by and the child is not handling the schoolwork without the support, then it comes to bite the parent on the backside because then the school are on the phone all the time. You get a headache, you feel all of these emotions come because you're like, you know, my child's not achieving. Why are they not achieving? school aren't able to provide the support and it becomes a very toxic environment for you as a parent because not only are you moving with their autism diagnosis and trying to get them everything they need in the support but then you have that negativity you have that negativity from the school or the educator or whoever saying your child's not good enough your child's not doing this your child's not doing that I don't want to hear that every day I want to hear what my child has achieved that day I don't want to hear how they've fallen short in comparison to every other child. 
So I think that's one thing to consider from my perspective, because I've seen it from both perspectives. And I don't want somebody phoning me every day telling me how crap my child is. I want them to be saying to me, your child's amazing because they told the time for the first time today, or, you know, they went to the bathroom independently and put their hand up and told somebody, you know, all of these masters, the massive for, for my child, and I'm sure for your kids as well, for anybody who's listening, the milestones are different. So um, I think that's one thing to consider for parents, if you're disclosing or not disclosing, is whether or not you're willing to take the negative hits and all of that that kind of comes along with it when they realize that your child is needing additional support. So um, I think that this is certainly a topic that we could, you know, talk a lot more about. And um, we um, will next week move on to um, an, another topic. And thank you so much for joining us this morning and for sharing um you know, your stories and um, also your advice for other parents that are in this situation. I think it's all very, very valid and, uh, you know, it just comes from years and years of experience. So um, thank you for joining us for um, our podcast, um, This Life, brought to you by Learn Autism. And to learn more about uh, autism, then please check out our website um, at learnautism.com. And have a great day, everybody. And thank you.